This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. Got my uh, co-host Graham Williams joining me as well. Thanks uh, for coming on the show again, Graham. Always glad to be here. Talking uh, about uh, mobile technology uh, today, I was just over in Spain, Barcelona, Spain, for the big Mobile World Congress. This is one of the biggest mobile shows in the world where all the mobile carriers, manufacturers, uh, network providers all come together to uh, meet up and uh, basically tell us what's coming down the pipe for the next uh, few years. And some really amazing stuff, uh, Graham. And I think the biggest one for me uh, was Huawei's uh, Mate X foldable phones. Foldable phones are coming. We saw Samsung uh, announce one last week, uh, the Samsung Galaxy Fold. Huawei at this event uh, blew everyone away with their uh, particular uh, folding phone, Graham. And it really is an amazing uh, piece of uh, engineering. Mm -hmm. And they've taken a completely opposite approach from Samsung into where the fold is. Right. I mean, yeah, Samsung yeah. has this this interior fold, which you know kind of looked interesting, and, and Huawei's gone with uh, a fold on the outside. So you've actually got a screen that is active on both sides of the phone, um, when even when the phone's folded up. Yeah, it is interesting, but uh, by doing that, uh, there's basically no gap when you fold the phone, as opposed to the Samsung Galaxy Fold, where there is a, a bit of a gap just because of the way they've designed it. Apparently, in the Huawei uh, folding phone as well, uh, there's like over 100 components alone in the hinge to make mm -hmm. that all it'll work. It's uh, actually pretty amazing that they were able to accomplish it. But to your point there, Graham, uh, I actually got to see this thing in person, and it is super cool. So like you said, there's uh, a screen on each side of the phone, and you can basically unfold it, and it brings those screens together uh, seamlessly, and it's a giant tablet. So uh, on the front, uh, the bigger screen is 6.6 inch, uh, 6.6 inches, which is huge. Uh, mm -hmm. But when you unfold the phone, it turns into an eight-inch tablet. Right, and I mean that's about the size of the iPad Mini when that was still around. And there's a rumor that the iPad Mini is going to be coming back, um, which is not—I mean, it's not foldable. Like I suppose anything's foldable once, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, the Huawei Mate X is uh, foldable thousands and thousands uh, of time, times. Uh, another interesting uh, thing they've built into this uh, is the 5G capability. Uh, yeah, so this is one of the first uh, 5G phones uh, that are out in the market as well, foldable ones and, anyway. And, and we're, we're seeing a move towards 5G in the market. Uh, you know, Apple famously has said that they will not be bringing 5G to market until 2020. They don't believe the technology is mature. Um, but uh, we've, we've seen a lot of talk about 5G uh, out there in the marketplace. Uh, Ars Technica did a really great story on 5G. Um, the interesting thing about 5G is that uh, the antennas take quite a bit more space inside these phones. So there is sort of, there's less space for other components. Uh, the advantage, though, is that these things are stupidly fast. Um, you know, right now... Yeah, they're 20, the 20 times faster. Yeah, I mean, with, with 4G technology, on average, I'm getting anywhere between, you know, 54 megabits per second to up to over 150 megabits per, per second, depending on, um, you know, the, the network antenna that you're attached to. And when we're talking about this, we're talking about speeds that are rivaling, you know, uh, the, the highest speeds that we're getting in home internet. And this is actually the, the biggest push that a lot of people are seeing is not actually for 5G for mobile, but 5G as a new network technology to bring high-speed connectivity to uh, homes and businesses. 
So this is the type of thing right now where when we take a look at sort of the last mile problem, which is basically getting that high speed service from, you know, sort of the, the demarcation point just outside your house into your home. Um, there have been challenges with that. I mean, my parents, uh, they live in St. George, Ontario. And uh, do you know when high speed internet is coming for them? Never. <laughs> two years. You know how long two it's been years. coming for two years? 15 years. They've been told by Rogers Communications that for 15 years, high speed is only two years away. Uh, they switched to microwave a little while back, um, a te technology that's, that's based out of Brantford. And so they're able to get relatively high speed. But with 5G, they could actually see speeds that I'm getting at home with fiber. Uh, that's incredibly exciting. So seeing this into a mobile device... Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see the benefits of that in mobile. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes, but it's, fa it's fascinating to see that we've got these super high-end premium devices with foldable screens now with 5G as well. Um, what, what was the price on this thing? Uh, it's up there. There's no question. I think it's coming in in the $2,600 US uh, price. I gotcha. know it's expensive, but you know what, you know, what I found really interesting, Graham, uh, mm. Samsung had announced their folding phone. The previous week at uh, two thousand US, which you know again everyone thought was super expensive, uh, so they actually had time to look at Samsung's pricing and you know basically say, hey, you know what, we should match that or be lower, but mm -hmm. they didn't because they know that uh, I guess they think they know that uh, they have a winner on their hands as far as the technology is concerned compared to the the other models that are out or are going it's to be out. It's interesting. So when you take a look at the Galaxy Fold, it actually has an additional screen on top of that as well, right? Because when it's closed, yes. when it's sandwiched, it's got the exterior screen. And then when it opens up, it's got the interior screens. So, I mean, you're getting more screens for your dollar, I suppose, with Samsung. But what it's really going to come down to is what's the end user experience like in folding and unfolding these things? I, I think, I mean, I, and I've said this, I'm not entirely convinced this actually is the future of mobile technology. I was talking to somebody here in the office not too long ago, and they're like, I feel like this is, this is essentially the 3D TV of mobile phone tech. But uh, what it's going to come down to is applications, right? Like, oh, it's great that you've got this, this foldable screen. Right now, I mean, the Android tablet market has basically dried up. You know, there is an iPad market, and that's kind of about it. So could this be the moment where the Android tablet market is reignited and we see a ton of really cool new Android tablet apps? You know, for, for Huawei's sake and for Samsung's sake, I certainly hope so, because otherwise... If we're just seeing the same thing that we've seen from Android in the past, where it's just bigger phone apps, I think you're going to have a hard time convincing people to, to pay quite reasonably $2,503,000 Canadian, if not more, uh, for these devices. Well, as, I, you know, as you know, when any of these new technologies come out, for example, you know, when the new TVs came out, uh, the price is always in the thousands of dollars, and then they come down uh, as they work the technology out and, and mass produce them. So I think we'll see these types of foldable devices Definitely in the next couple of years, uh, getting to be more uh, affordable. Uh, but uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, I had a chance uh, to actually see this thing like right in front of me. Uh, we talked with the the Huawei folks there. They showed us folding and uh, you know unfolding the phone. It it really was pretty cool. And the thickness was something I was concerned about. But uh, when you folded it up and put it down on a table and compared it to the thickness of uh, any other smartphone out there right now it was not that much thicker. So uh, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of a, a cool thing as far as the engineering is concerned. Yeah, I mean, with 100 moving pieces in that hinge, clearly they've spent the time on this. You know, I, I, you've been to an Ikea, right? Yeah. 
you, you remember in the, with the Poang chair, they had that that sort of piston that was basically mocking up sitting down on it over and over again, and they had that yes. going for years. Yep. Um, you know, that that's basically what what's going to happen with this hinge. It's going to be opened and closed and opened and closed and opened and closed. So, I mean, with 100 separate pieces of engineering, it sounds like they, they put this thing through the ringer. Um, what I'm curious about is in two to three years, will these stand up? I mean, it sounds like they've done the engineering work, so most likely they will. Um, but I'm still not entirely convinced that I want moving parts on my phone. Well, I think after you see this, you might. Uh, I might. You know, I might. Do, I'm, I'm you know what I'm minded. Ex- you know what I'm excited about, though, as well? Uh, you know, this phone, you know, when I first heard about the foldable phones, I'm like, eh, it sounds really gimmicky. But when I saw this thing in person, I just went, ah, this thing is pretty amazing. Of course, the price, uh, you know, we'll have to see that come down. But I'm kind of excited for the future as well. Can you imagine how big they can build tablets now? Like folding tablets? Mm-hmm. So easier to travel around when these things can fold up and then and unfolding them into you know super huge sizes. Yeah, well, I mean, this is sort of the 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 conundrum here is we're looking at foldable tech right now. Both LG and Samsung have worked on rolling screens, um, which we've seen in a number of sci-fi shows. You know, where they basically got this you know almost cylinder of something and they pull this out almost like a like a blind, and and you end up with a like a window shade style rollout device. So we've got a lot of really cool new ways to, to see display technology. Um, I mean, I remain convinced that we need to get the phone out of our hands. We need to get the tablet out of our hands. Augmented reality, I think, is really where we need to go. And painting uh, you know, the display either right on your retina or on a pair of glasses so that it floats out in front of you. The big thing there is going to be interface, right? Being able to interact with that data and how are you going to do that. Um, I think Minority Report nailed it. Right. You know, yeah. it's just the I, I, I totally want to be Tom Cruise, not in the crazy couch jumping way, but in the grabbing holograms with my fingertips way. I think that'd be neat. Well, according to Steven Spielberg, who made that movie, that's another 50 or 40 years away, isn't it? He's so wrong. He's so- we got ten, we got 10 <laughs> years max. Sorry, Steven, stick to movies. Well, you're listening to Get Connected right now. We're talking about all the cool uh, innovations I saw at uh, the show, uh, the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain. When we come back, we'll be talking about uh, 5G some more and some new laptops that uh, are poised to take on Apple in the Canadian market. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by Lund Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. I've got Graham Williams with me as well. Uh, just uh, recently in Barcelona, Spain at the Mobile World Congress, one of the biggest shows for mobile technology in the world. All sorts of great new mobile devices, phones, and 5G technology. You know, we talked about 5G technology, Graham, and uh, how it really will change the future. You know how you said your your parents just can't get high-speed internet where they are? Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to change with 5G as well. Like uh, Huawei actually showed off this uh, 5G modem router uh, that you can basically put in your home and get those high-speed, uh, you know, internet speeds uh, that uh, you currently can't get with uh, uh, a much cheaper infrastructure for the for the internet service providers to set up. Oh, that's exciting. So cheaper infrastructure totally means that our price for services is going to drop, right? Well, maybe not in Canada. But (laughs) (laughs) You and I have been to a lot of trade shows in the past. Uh, The Huawei booth for 5G alone, I forget how many football fields it was. I've never never seen anything like it in my life, the sheer amount. 
did they have good cell coverage across the entire thing? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> no, but Graham, it was just mind boggling how much uh, gear and, uh, and displays they had set up. They had like uh, a restaurant inside and then they were taking me through the booth. Hey, do you want to go in the patio to check out the, uh, you know, the restaurants we have out there? Like they had a patio with all kinds of different bars and food and dancing people. It was crazy. My number one takeaway here is that I get to go on this trip next year. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and it's, it's so interesting. I mean, there's so much political uh, stuff going on right now, obviously, with the U.S., uh, in China, you know, U.S. banning all Huawei networking gear. And, you know, there's calls here in Canada for it as well. I, I got to say, personally, I think it would be a mistake because it's going to drop us behind. You know, these companies like the Huawei's of the world uh, are just, they're like a, at least a year ahead of all these other companies. It's just amazing the technology they have. So I hope they can work this out. The one thing that I could see is because I mean, there's there's a, a major concern that Huawei is connected to the government of China, and there are there has been some legislation written where the government of China could can access all of the data that Huawei is is collecting. So I think in order for Huawei to you know function outside of China in a way that they are trusted by Western governments, there may have to be agreements that are put in place that intercede in between. That, government, that agreement between the Chinese government and Huawei to say, look, we understand that there are privacy concerns in the West. So here is what we will agree to. And we will take steps to ensure that those fears are allayed. We will show you our source code. We will open source parts of these things. That is how we could come to an agreement. And we could say, you know, absolutely, we can use these components because we believe we can trust them. Conversely, you know, some Western companies might have to do the same thing because we've heard famously that companies like Cisco in the past did have back doors that the American government had access to. So yeah, if we want it's to like, play it's on so that playing field. It's so hypocritical. Let's play fairly then. And, you know, I mean, the answer to a lot of this is open source software. And that makes me sound like an open source hippie, but really it is the truth. <laughs> if we are going to trust each other around the world, then we are going to have to have the grounds to do so, which means that closed source is dangerous it can hide back doors, and it does make us all inherently less safe. It does also mean that we need our governments to commit to supporting the fact that end users have the right to encryption. If you want to make sure that you're protected, we should be able to end-to-end -end encrypt, which means that no government on the planet, the Canadian government, the American government, the Chinese government, the Russian government, none of these people should be able to access our personal communications and so if they want to do so, they're going to need to either get a warrant, get a subpoena, and go to that end user directly and compel them to turn over that data because they have just cause. Is that fair? Sounds good to me, Graham. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> some of the other <laughs> cool stuff that I saw there. Um, and this is interesting. Um, when you think of notebooks right now, who's the market uh, leader? There, there is the market leader, and that is Apple. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's competition. There's the HPs and Lenovo's. Um, Huawei also introduced uh, or has some uh, notebooks that are in the market now, and they're coming to Canada as well. So I'm really interested to see what kind of, uh, you know, impact that's going to have in the Canadian marketplace. They've got something called the Huawei uh, Mate 13, which is going to be one of the first ones uh, into, into Canada. But it is beautiful. It, it looks like an Apple um, MacBook. Um, it's got fingerprint uh, sensor on it to to log you in. It is a it's a piece of art and super powerful at the same time as well. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I mean, this is sort of the interesting thing, and I'm wondering, you know, where the change in the market is going to happen. Uh, Apple obviously has a just an ace up their sleeve that it's going to be very, very hard to beat, and that's macOS. And there are people out there who absolutely will never want to use it. But I mean, I switched over in 2004. Now, I still run a Windows PC at home, and I run that for gaming. But macOS is so incredibly powerful. So when you see all these beautiful pieces of hardware that are being put together by HP, by Samsung, and now by Huawei, and I look at it, and they're connected to Windows, and I think of my Windows experience, for me, it's it's a non-starter. And that's a challenge because Apple has been ratcheting up the price on everything. And with the Canadian dollar added in on top of that, I'm actually getting to the point where I am skipping generations. I'm actually making do with stuff because I can't afford to go and be buying a new laptop every year, whereas I could a few years ago. Now, Apple has admitted that they are looking at their own pricing, but you know, where, where really where's the breaking point for some of us where we kind of look at Windows and go, okay, you know what, the price on this Huawei, the hardware is beautiful, the software is still something that I'm not thrilled with. But the combination of those Windows, two things at the price, maybe I would consider it. Windows 10 has, uh, I think, uh, brought Windows uh, a long way. Uh, but again, you brought up a couple of interesting points. Uh, the price and the power. Uh, you can get these, uh, these new uh, Mate books uh, from, from example, Huawei, and they're hundreds of dollars cheaper, and you get the same power, if not more. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and gonna, so this... This is the challenge, is where's the breaking point? Well, if you're a Windows, uh, Windows person, it's definitely one to have a look at when it uh, hits the market. When we come back from the break, uh, we'll be talking about some new phones from Nokia that have five, get it, five lenses in the back, uh, and also a new phone from LG that does dual screen, and another one that recognizes the veins in your palm to unlock your phone. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. We're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here talking about all the cool, cool devices I saw at the uh, Mobile World Congress over in Barcelona, Spain this past week. And Graham, there's some crazy stuff coming down the pipe from uh, some other manufacturers uh, that you've never heard of making smartphones, including Energizer. Did you know they're ma making phones now? I, I, I heard. I heard they've also got like 20 different phones that they're bringing to market. Yeah, so the one that caught my eye. Uh, it's called the uh, Energizer PowerMax P18K Pop. This thing, okay, dude, it's, it's got an 18,000 milliamp hour battery. 18,000. <laughs> and so compare that to like normal smart, smartphones, what? They've got a couple thousand? I think it's yeah, 3, between 1,600 to 3,000 is kind of average. Yes, 18,000. Wow. You, so... It, you know, if you're at home, Google this phone. It is hilarious. Energizer PowerMax P18K Pop. You can probably get there with Energizer PowerMax. You should see how thick this thing is. It's like as thick as a chocolate bar. It's giant. So, but but this thing will go for days and days, obviously, with a battery that thick. Now, now my, my real question here is, does it come with jumper cables? You know what? Honestly... You could, I'm sure you could jump your, your car with this, this particular phone. It's kind of crazy. 
You know, it, it, it's interesting because I kind of I was thinking about places where I would probably use this. And you know, if you're if you're going out into the outback, you're going hunting for a while, you're going uh, backcountry skiing. Like all of these things could be a, a good reason for it. Um, if you need a uh, doorstop, perhaps might not be a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> So listen to the specs here. 90 hours of calls. You can listen to 100 hours of music and watch around two days of video on a single charge. In standby mode, the battery lasts up to 50 days. Now, now it's interesting because those numbers don't actually sound that high. When you think about it, Apple was uh, you know, bragging about hundreds of hours of listening to music with their original iPod. But then you realize how they're actually quantifying that. What they're seeing is 100 hours of music streaming, which means that the radio in that phone, the LTE radio, is live and active for 100 hours of data transfer. That's a it lot. Doesn't, it doesn't sound like an impressive number until you say that and you go, oh, okay, well, that, that actually makes sense. And it also kind of signifies a bit of a shift in our thinking. We're not even thinking about having music on our phones anymore. Right? I don't think I've got more than a few songs on my phone because I've got everything on Spotify and Apple Music. So this is, this is a, a phone that's very much developed in the zeitgeist of we are streaming everything now instead of, um, instead of having it localized on the device. Neat. Pretty cool. Uh, also uh, checked out LG's new V50 ThinQ. Uh, again, uh, V50 ThinQ by LG. Uh, this particular one, 5G, uh, you can also get uh, a case that uh, gives you a second screen. So it's kind of their version of the foldable, but obviously not a true foldable. And I guess it'll probably be cheaper. Uh, but I tried it out. I got my hands on it. Mm. It wasn't bad. Like the second screen, uh, you know, when you fold it open in the case, you know, obviously it's not a seamless screen. It's like two separate screens. But it was pretty cool, you know, for... For, for gaming, you could turn one of the screens screens into a controller, uh, and if you wanted to be productive, uh, you could have like your Gmail open on one screen and Word open on the other, or a web browser. So interesting, kind of a cool cool idea. But uh, I don't have the pricing on that one yet, so it'll be interesting to see how much that screen case is. Yeah, one of the things that I really like about the iPad and their dual app displays, you can kind of drag things back and forth between things. It would be interesting to see if they could get a software hack working where you can kind of take data and flick it over from one screen to the other. I'm going to keep my eye on the LG. They make good hardware, and it's, you know, a lot of their phones I've really liked. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that does in the market, especially if it's able to come in at a price that is not, well, that I don't need to speak to a loan officer about. Exactly. Uh, they also announced the G8 ThinQ, and this thing has all sorts of uh, unlocking capability. I think it's got the fingerprint, it's got the face recognition, but this one will also do vein recognition. I'm going to say that again. It recognizes the veins in your palm. So you basically hold up the phone, hold your palm towards the phone, and it will recognize your veins and unlock your phone. You know, I, I really think that they need to license Carly Simon's You're So Vain for the promotional campaign for this. I think that'd be brilliant. <laughs> right? That's pretty good, actually. I'm not um, wrong. And finally, uh, Nokia uh, has announced a, uh, a new phone called the Nokia PureView. And this thing's got five cameras on the back. Five. So it's wow. supposed to let in, I think, I think, don't quote me on this, ten times more light. Uh, to give you uh, 12 megapixel HDR images. 
See, this is interesting. Nokia has always had some really cool, interesting camera tech. A friend of mine who uh, went on to do the costuming program uh, over at Kaplan OU, huge photography buff. And I remember she bought this big, honking Nokia. Uh, it was yellow and had an 8-megapixel camera at the time when that was kind of unheard of. And uh, I just remember her absolutely loving those low-light shots that she got. Being able to have more light in your pictures is important, right? Photography literally means writing with light. So, you know, having access to that is kind of impressive. I've seen the back of this thing. Um, it, it looks like something that you'd see in a horror movie. There's just all of these eyes <laughs> staring at you. Um, so that's, that's kind of interesting. You know, you know, the technology that I'm really interested in seeing, I'd love to see come to life in a phone, is, do you remember Lytro? No. Lytro, they made a light field camera. And so it looked like a tube of lipstick. And it was only a one megapixel camera. But basically what it is, did was it captured images with depth. And you were able to selectively uh, add in depth of field after the fact. Apple's kind of got that a little bit with their, uh, with their depth sensing cameras. Um, and they've kind of done some really neat stuff with that. And you can actually kind of get into the, the guts of the dual uh, lens camera to do that. Or do the front facing uh, on the iPhone 10 and, and later. But I'd love to see that light field technology come back. Nokia, I think, could be the company to do it. And I'm not sure who has a license for it right now, but I think that's the next step, is getting into more you know, 3D-oriented imagery where we can do more stuff with the pictures that we take. Well, when we come back from the break, still more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Uh, we'll be touching on wearables, uh, what wearables are about, what you should look for, and where they're going. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here with Graham Williams. We're talking wearables uh, for this part of the program. We're seeing more and more uh, different types of not only Fitbands and smartwatches, but also all sorts of other applications like smart glasses, smart clothing. Uh, something really neat from Microsoft called their HoloLens 2, which we'll get into shortly here. So I thought we'd uh, just kind of give you a primer of uh, what's happening uh, uh, out there. And I think when most people think wearables, Graham, uh, they're thinking uh, the the fitness bands or a smartwatch. Yeah, and that, that's kind of where it started. And so, you know, when we started looking at wearables, um, you know, as 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 a, as a group of Get Connected, we started to think about the things that they do for you. And so, you know, a lot of people are using wearables uh, in the way of monitoring fitness. But there's kind of some interesting things that these things do. And we we start to think about it in terms of both input and output. Right. And so when we think about how your body works, we, we started to bring technology closer and closer to us. Right. I mean, computers back in the 1960s were these big honking things that used to sit in the middle of buildings. Uh, I went to the, to the University of Waterloo and in the computer science building when I was going to school, they were actually in the process of tearing out the mainframe. And I actually ended up going to a class at one point. Uh, someone had torn the caution tape. I opened a door and there was a gap three floors down. <laughs> I nearly oh, ended wow. my Nearly ended my school career very quickly. Um, and your life. Right? Uh, and, and so, you know, when we start to think about computers, they basically become closer and closer and closer to us to the point where, you know, we carry uh, a supercomputer in our pocket. And the Apple Watch 4 actually has more power than the computers that uh, launched the rockets to the moon. Right, so the folks on Apollo 13, when they were doing math, they were doing math with computers. Uh, they were doing it by hand, but had they had an Apple Watch, it probably would have done a lot of the work for them without <laughs> having to worry. Bet they wish they'd had that. Um, so when we start thinking about these things, you know, we brought uh, these devices into what we're calling our personal area network or our PAN, and this is kind of where we get into wearables. 
fitness wearables that go on our wrist, uh, monitoring devices that can go, you know, either around your head to monitor, you know, your your brain waves, uh, around your chest to monitor your heart if you're looking at like a like a chest strap. Um, we've also seen uh, things like glasses. You know, we're looking at uh, both input and output uh, cameras that can record things and being able to put information in front of you. Google Glass, very famously, for a couple of years, was sort of the big thing uh, in a wearable, being able to put all of that data uh, just out of sight so you could look up and see it. So we start thinking about wearables. We've got a couple of different categories, right? Uh, we have jewelry. Which, you know, right now I'm wearing a beautiful piece of tech on my wrist. It's an Apple Watch, stainless steel, Series 4. This thing, I think, cost me about a thousand bucks, which, you know, after the first one cost me a thousand dollars, it's a bit of a hard pill to swallow. Um, there's smart clothing. Uh, so clothing that can both record and react to things that you're doing. Um, there are implantables. Now, you've probably seen that we've, we've seen uh, technology in, as far as prosthetics. It's come a long way, right? 3D printing has been huge in that where we've seen people who are getting custom-made, 3D-printed uh, prosthetics for you know pennies on the dollar. It used to be $70,000 to get a prosthetic device, and now you can do these things for less than a few thousand dollars. And the last big category is, again, glasses, um, which we've seen Google Glass being one, and, uh, and HoloLens is, is another. Now, you had a chance to take a look at HoloLens, uh, HoloLens 2 when you were in Spain. So what was that like? Well, it's interesting. So Microsoft's had their version of, uh, I guess, they call it augmented reality glasses. Uh, and now they're calling them mixed reality because they kind of blend augmented reality and virtual reality together. Uh, but it's interesting now. Uh, before, I think they, you know, obviously had a business aspect, but they tried to be kind of consumer as well. Uh, for for this show, uh, they were showing the, the HoloLens 2. It's all business. It's all applications around warehouses or you know, surgery or, or, or stuff like that. So uh, it's interesting, you know, when you put these on, uh, the new version here, you know, even better than the first, uh, they basically kind of put holograms in front of you that you can interact with because they've got uh, really good eye and hand detection. So you can actually move these things around in, you know, only you can see them. You look like a weirdo when you're like trying to move around these objects <laughs> like out, out in front of you. Uh, but it is really amazing technology. And you, know, you, you talked about Mino Minority Report earlier in the show, that mm -hmm. movie with Tom Cruise. It's like that. Cool. But you have, but you have to have the glasses on. So it's pretty now, amazing stuff. Now, we, we've seen companies and that have sort of put this in place. Uh, Porsche, very famously, uh, they've actually been able to have expert technicians localized in their headquarters and they're able to put on a pair of glasses while a technician on site in a dealership somewhere is wearing a similar pair of glasses that has a camera that's capturing what's in front of them and the expert technician is able to actively go through and guide that uh, that on-site technician in making repairs to a to a, a car you know from thousands of miles away sort of almost telepresence really cool stuff so yeah it, it, it is amazing uh, you know you know how to look at these glasses, uh, and again, it's just going to change the way people use technology in the workplace. You know, imagine being able to in a warehouse uh, use these glasses, and you know, through the glass interface, there it's telling you where every single product is that you need to pick, and uh, finding the most efficient way for you to to get there. Uh, for people that repair things, amazing! Again, it can basically show you the entire engine schematic of a car. And, uh, you know, you can look at these virtual bolts and pieces and it'll show you exactly where to put them 
in the engine and how much pressure you're going to need to torque it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so can you imagine how much time that's going to save in the future? Absolutely. I mean, not having to be an expert in every single thing, but also being able to be guided by an expert, I think, is a very, very powerful thing. So these augmented reality glasses and mixed reality glasses, I think, are going to be a great way to do it. You mentioned eye tracking. This is a technology that's come a really, really long way. Um, and it's interesting because I've actually had an eye tracking module installed on my computer monitor at home for a very long time. Do you know why? Do I want to know why? Flight simulators. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. So I actually have a full um, uh, HOTAS stand uh, set up. So hands-on throttle and sticks. I've actually got a throttle. I've got a joystick. I've got um, uh, rudder and pedals. So basically, I can I can control a plane just like you would uh, control a plane normally. I've actually got a proper flight yoke as well. But the cool thing about this is that in a number of new programs and applications in different flight simulators, uh, the big one that I'm playing is actually a sci-fi simulator. It's called Star Citizen. But it can actually see where you're looking on the screen and control those things based on your eye movement, movements. Very, very cool tech. Well, we'll be covering a lot more uh, wearable technology on Get Connected. Don't forget to check out our uh, website, getconnectedmedia.com, and our social channels as well to get all the latest and greatest uh, coming up in the next month as uh, far as the different uh, technologies and products uh, as well. When we come back from the break, it's skills time. We're going to give you some uh, skills for your favorite digital assistants to make you cool and have fun. You listen to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. It's that time of the program where we talk about skills for your favorite digital assistants uh, like Amazon Alexa for the Amazon Echo devices, Google Assistant, and uh, Siri. And this time uh, we've got one for each. So let's mm -hmm. start with uh, Amazon. Yeah, so this is actually something where I'm, I'm asking everyone out there who owns a Fitbit to maybe write to Fitbit because there is an Alexa Fitbit skill. The problem is you have to have an American Alexa account for this to work. So I think if we all take the time to write in, we can actually get this skill written for Canadian, Amazon, and Fitbit accounts. And it's great because I've actually installed it with an American account. I've been using it because I have a, um, a Fitbit Aria at home, a scale that measures both weight and body fat. And so I can get an update on where I am every day without having to actually take a look down at the scale. I can kind of get on the scale, do some stuff, and then I can say, Alexa, uh, what are my Fitbit stats? And what's well, actually Alexa ask Fitbit what my stats are, and uh, she will go ahead and do that for you. So we need to we need to get make that happen in Canada. So that's our skill for the week is Fitbit. You can install it with an American account right now, but we need to see if we can make this happen for Canada. Fair? Fair enough. Uh, what do we got for the Google folks out there? Spotify. Uh, Spotify is a great little uh, extension to OK Google. And so if you have a Spotify account, uh, you can ask Google to play any type of music. All you have to do is add the words on Spotify at the end. And if you've linked your Google and your Spotify account, it will automatically connect to that. And you'll be able to connect up to great playlists and music on Spotify that way. Very cool. And we've got uh, 30 seconds for our Siri tip of the week. My favorite one is, hey Siri, what's my heart rate? Um, you can actually go through your menus and find this, but I like keeping the heart rate complication off my Apple Watch so I can ask what my heart rate is at a moment's notice and figure out how I'm doing. This is great in scary movies. You can always see how you're doing and just do a quick check-in. And so what do you have to do again? You just say, hey Siri, what's my heart rate? And Siri will find out for you and will display it right on your Apple Watch. 
So all the time we have left for Get Connected, don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show, every Sunday morning here on CKW 980 at 10 a.m. You can listen to our podcast for both as well on your favorite podcasting places, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Search for Get Connected or The App Show will be there. This is Mike and Graham logging off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.